Amen. Every year about this time, thank you, everybody, we uh, share uh, three weeks of, of uh, stewardship emphasis. And we've used uh, Robert Morris before in uh, his uh, video teaching. There, there are people that I've known through my life uh, and personally had fellowship with and had the privilege of meeting been in meetings. Uh, the Oral Roberts was an individual, I think, that had a gift that thousands of people were healed under his ministry. I believe that. Uh, I think Robert Morris is one of those individuals that has a gift to be able to preach and teach about, about giving, and he has practiced that in his life. And so this morning, along with 35 or 36 other churches that were, happened to be involved, uh, uh, have listened and will listen to his teaching. He has authored the book, The Blessed Life. The uh, revised edition is uh, just out last year. It's 10 bucks. It's in the lobby. I would, uh, I would encourage you to get a copy of it if you have it and read it and, or share it with someone because here's what I believe. You reveal the heart of a person who is a professing follower by how they honor God in stewardship. There is no two ways about it. It's just the way it works. I can tell you, I know people in this church that example stewardship, that over and over and over again, challenges have hit their life and they have come out on the other side with favor and grace and mercy from God. So I pray that you will respond. It is interactive. This is not, you know, okay, well, where's the popcorn if we're going to look at a movie? We don't have any, okay? Maybe you can get beyond it, um, but engage in it. There'll be parts that it is humorous. It's not long. It's 27 minutes. And here's what I ask you to do. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart and say, God, what is it you want to say to me? What can I take away from here that I don't have? You young people, listen carefully. My first and biggest challenge ever giving outside of my tithe was when I was about 16 years of age. 16 years of age, I had the privilege of giving in a special offering. And I'll never forget it because I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to school, I'm working, I'm this, and I only had a few dollars. And, and so, but I gave it. Listen carefully. I watched what God do as a result of that, came back and blessed me over and over again. So, many of you young people, you listen carefully and see what God will do. We have notes that have been provided for you. We really make it too easy around here, I think. I mean, notes that you can put in your Bible, you can take a look. You have the personal application on the back. I pray that you'll enjoy the, uh, the video teaching on It's All About the Heart. Would you put your hands together, everybody, and welcome the video. There you go. Hey, everyone. Well, welcome. Welcome to all the campuses and welcome to all the churches that are joining us. And uh, I just want to say to Gateway Church, you may not know this, but we are simulcasting uh, this series in 36 other churches have signed up. So welcome to all the churches that are watching this simulcast right now. We're glad you're here. And I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about this new year. We begin this weekend our fast. It's a 21-day fast. I want you to fast as the Holy Spirit leads you, and, but I want you to fast something. Please fast something, okay? 
you could fast desserts. Uh, you, you, could fa- you could do a Daniel fast, which would be meats and sweets. Uh, you fast meats and sweet. You'd be, in other words, fruits and vegetables. Uh, you could do a juice fast or a water fast. However the Lord leads you, please do something. I, I, start, I always start the first of the year, but I always fast with you. So for me, I'll, I have to begin at midnight on December 31st. It's just something I, I've done for about 25 years now. So I, I've already started. And here, here's what I'm, I'm noticing. My, my love for the Word and my love for the kingdom and the Lord is just intensifying. I can just feel it. And, and I want you to feel that too. And I want us to enter this new year together, all right? All right, we're beginning a new series called The Blessed Life. And I want you to understand that um, the church is now, this Easter will be 15 years old. And about every three years, uh, I preach this series. This is my life message. This series came about because uh, James Robison uh, and his team asked me if I would come on their program and teach on giving because I teach give to give, not give to get. And they said it's the most balanced message we've ever heard. And if you could, if you could, uh, could you write a book? Uh, because uh, if a lot of people would like to read and not just listen to the, the CDs or the, the tapes, you know. And uh, I said, sure, um, you know, how, when do you need the book? They said, about a month. <laughs> uh, and so I went away and dictated The Blessed Life in, in three days in a tape recorder because it's, it's been in my heart for years. It's been something Debbie and I have been living and I've been preaching and teaching for years. The Blessed Life now, the book, um, uh, millions of copies. Uh, I've been told 30-something languages around the world. I've given all the royalties away to this book. Uh, we've been blessed from other books. You, you know that. I don't ever try to hide that from you, that we've been very blessed financially from royalties. But we all this book, we the first one, we gave it to the Lord. Matter of fact, all the royalties have come to Gateway Church. And so um, it's been, it's, it's just God uses it all over the world. Here's the reason, because there's truth in this book that will change your life. I promise you. And it'll change your marriage. And it'll change your family. And it'll change your health. And it'll change your relationships. And it'll change your job. It'll change your life. It's a blessed life, not a blessed pocketbook or a blessed wallet. It's a blessed life. So that's what we're going to do uh, for the next seven weeks. I will preach six of these. Pastor Jimmy Evans will preach one of them. All right? So look here at Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, I just want to ask you a simple question. Uh, Is the word money anywhere in those two verses? No. And, And the context is judging. Don't judge or you'll be judged, okay? Now, I want us to commit to short-term memory, the first phrase and the last phrase. And I'd like you to just say it after me. Judge not, and you will not be judged. judged. Great. This is all the campuses and all the churches by simulcast, all right? And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Say that. Now, flip over to Luke 6, okay? Now, let's say them one more time. Judge not, and you will not be judged. 
with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, look at the first sentence of verse 37, Luke 6, 37. Judge not, and you will not be judged. No, you don't have to say it. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you, though. Okay. Uh, and then look at the last sentence of verse 38. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, I want you to understand this is the parallel passage, but I want to show you a verse in the middle that, in my opinion, many times the context is not understood. Okay, so Luke 6, 37 and 38. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now look at verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put in your bosom. For, with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, let me just make a statement, and this might shock you. The word money does not appear in those verses. And yet most of the time when we hear Luke 6, 38, we think about money. As a matter of fact, when we think about the word give, we think money. I was being interviewed by a magazine a while back, and they, they said, how often do you preach on giving? And I said, every week. They said, you preach on giving every week? And I said, yes. I think what you meant to ask me was how often do I preach on giving money? And that's about every three years. Every three years, I do a series on stewardship and generosity. But you didn't ask me how often to preach on giving money. You asked me how often to preach on giving. I can't preach on grace and not talk about giving because God so loved the world, he... I can't preach on marriage and not preach on giving because a marriage will not work if you're not givers if both people aren't givers. And again, not finances, not giving. Get, you understand what I'm saying? This, this applies to every area of our life. That's what we have to understand. Giving is about the heart. Here's the title of the message. I should have given it to you earlier, but the title is, it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Some people say, well, you know, they're after my money. Let me explain something to you. Yes, God is after your, not the church, God is after your money because he's after your heart. And your heart is connected to your wallet. I, I guarantee you, I've seen it. There's a string from your heart to your wallet because I've watched people when they start to reach back, oh, and it just, <laughs> it hurts. If God can get your wallet, listen to me, he can get your heart. And I'm not the one that said it. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart follows your treasure. You put your treasure in a stock, you put some money in a stock, you'll start going on the internet checking to see how that stock's doing, and you never checked it before. And you never cared about it before, but you care about it now because your treasure's there. Are you following me? You want your treasure in the kingdom? You, put, you want your heart in the kingdom? You put your treasure in the kingdom. Okay, so it's a heart issue because he's talking in these verses about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Don't judge or you'll be judged. Don't condemn or you'll be condemned. Don't, and then he says forgive and you'll be forgiven. And then he says give. Okay, what's he saying though? Give judgment and judgment will be given back to you. And here's the part I don't hear a lot of preaching on. 
good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will men give judgment back to you. For with the same measure you give judgment, you'll get judgment back. That's the context of these verses. Judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. Now, you can apply it to other areas because of the laws of sowing and reaping. If you give a seed, you don't just get back one seed. You get back a a tree or a plant with many seeds. And that's the way God is. So whatever you give, you're going to get more back. So it'd be better to give good things than bad things because you're going to get more of it back, whatever it is. I was counseling with a lady one time, and she was a single mother, and she didn't have anywhere to leave her kids. And so she brought her kids, and we just let them. I said, please come anyway. And she just left them with the, the, uh, my assistant. We left the door open there, and uh, I was talking to her. And here's literally this is what she said. She said, my, my kids yell at me. She said, they yell at me. I, I don't know why. And then she did this. Y'all stop talking out there. I don't know why they yell at me. I said, Luke 6, 38, give yelling, and yelling will be given back to you. Good measure, Preston. Okay, all right. Now, if you can flip Deuteronomy 15, how, how are you going to develop a heart of generosity? Well, way back Deuteronomy 15, God tells us what we need to do, four things we need to do, because it's all about the heart, all right? So, Deuteronomy 15, look at verses 7 and 8. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you. Notice God's giving you the land, by the way. Notice the word giving. You shall not harden your heart. It's about your heart. Nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly, that would be about your heart, lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Okay, so therefore things that we need to do if we're going to become generous givers. Here's number one. Deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a selfish heart. Look at verse 9, Deuteronomy 15, verse 9. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Notice heart again. Saying the seventh year of the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it become sin among you. Notice selfishness is wickedness in God's eyes, and it becomes sin. Now, here's what he's saying. He's saying, um, now, when your brother comes and asks to, to borrow from you, uh, you, you, you open your hand and willingly lend to him. You, you, you open your heart to him. But don't let there be this wicked or selfish thought in you that says, man, this is the the year of Jubilee. That means all debts will be canceled. In other words, if he came and said, hey, I need to borrow some money. My crops were bad this year. And and you thought, you know what? Six more months is the year of Jubilee. If he can't pay me back in six months, then then, uh, I have to cancel this debt. See, God implemented an economic system where all debts were canceled every seven years years. How many of you would like to re-implement that economic system? Okay. So, if you thought, you know, I'm not going to do this because he might not be able to pay me back. You know what God said? Don't do that. Don't think that way. And here's what he called it. He calls selfishness wickedness. He's dealing, he's telling the people of Israel, this, I don't want you to do this. I want you to be generous like I'm generous. Yeah, let me ask you a question. 
I asked a Bible college class this one time. Um, why did God create giving? You ever thought about that? Because God did. It's, it's, it's all through God's Word. So why did God invent or create giving? And the overwhelming answer was to support His work. And I said to them, and I want you to think about this. I said to these, these college students, I said, do you really think? I want you to think about this because <laughs> it's funny to me. Do you really think that God needs your money to support his work? I mean, it, uh, you know, uh, it, is the light bill, you know, in heaven, uh, you know, too big for God? They running out of gold for the streets. I mean, cattle on a thousand hill, he's running out of cow. I mean, you know what? God needs you. No, listen, God did not create giving for his sake. He created giving for your sake. Giving more than any other activity that a believer does works selfishness and greed out of our lives. This is why I don't like much of the preaching I hear on giving because it's give to get. Give and you'll get, give and you'll get. And let me tell you what that does. It actually works selfishness and greed back in your life. And what do you, how do you think God feels? When, when, when a preacher preaches, give and you'll get, give and you'll get, and people say, well, I want to get, so I'm going to give. I wonder if God is thinking, well, this is great. All of my people are catching the revelation of getting. No, we need to catch the revelation of giving. Now, I do want to say... Um, it drives selfishness out of our lives. We have to deal with a selfish heart. I do want to just say, just for a moment, ladies, that there's an area of selfishness that men never grow out of. I just want you to know, okay? We do not want to share our food. <laughs> and for some reason, you want our food. And I don't, I don't understand it. And we do not want to share our food. The very first time, Pastor Tom and Jan Lane, sitting on the front row, Jan said, I knew you were going to say this, sitting right there. The very first time I went to dinner with them, I, we were going around the table ordering. I ordered, and Jan said, oh, good, I've been wanting to try that. <laughs> I, I never even met the woman, and she wanted to eat off my plate. And I said, well, you better order some because that's the only way you're going to get any. <laughs> Think about it. Come on. What does every woman say when you're at the drive-thru? What does every woman say? You say, well, would you like something? No, I just have some of yours. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> I'll buy you two orders of fries but you're not getting any of my fries. And the fries that fall in the bottom of the bag are mine too. So point number one is deal with a selfish heart. I don't know if that's directed just to the men or to all of us, all right? Here's number two, deal with a grieving heart. Grieving heart. Now he's talking about money, he's talking about giving. Verse 10, you shall surely give to him, give to him, 
and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing, watch, for this thing, giving with the right heart, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works. That's amazing. And in all to which you put your hand. If you learn to give from the heart with the right heart, God will bless you in everything you do. That's what he just said. See, we, under, we need to understand this is a heart issue, but selfishness attacks us before we give, and grief attacks us after we give. You ever given uh, a large amount or made a commitment and then something breaks, and the enemy comes immediately and says, see, you shouldn't have done that. He comes in. And, then, and grief, because we, we gave. And you know, I'm sitting here. Here I am preaching this message, and I had this thought just go through my mind. And after 30 years of preaching, I ought to know to just let the thought go on by. But here's the thought I had. I just thought to myself, I, I'm going out to eat after the service, and, and I, don't, I don't have any cash. I just had that thought just go through my mind, you know. I'm just, oh, wow. Wow, look, $100. Okay, I'm going to start saying those thoughts more often. Um, Okay, no, let's, let's talk about that for a minute, all right? Why, when I said, I, I don't have any cash, why did David get up that fast and give it to me? Let me tell you why. Because I gave it to him before the service. <laughs> it's my $100. Okay, now, he's not grieving that he gave. You're not grieving. Oh, you are a little? <laughs> no, he's not grieving because, Why? Because it was mine. See, see, the reason that we grieve after we give is because we thought it was ours. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when we give back to God what is already His, then we don't grieve over it. So, deal with a grieving heart. Here's number three. Develop a generous heart. Develop a generous heart. Look at verse 14. You shall supply him liberally, generously from your flock. Watch, from your threshing floor and from your winepress. Now watch this. From what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. God wants us to be generous. We were born selfish. We are born again generous. We just have to renew our minds. You think about it. You really want to be generous. Now, we, we read Luke 6 a moment ago. If we were to go back and read the context again and back up a little more, and we're not going to do that right now, but you can do that. You go back to around verse 30. Here's what it says. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes your coat, give him this too. And it's just uh, the whole context is lend to people even hoping not to receive anything in return. What he's doing is dealing with the heart. It's the, it's the first thing we have to try to teach our children. I want you to think about that. What do you have to try to teach your children that is so hard to teach your children? Share. Share. No, we share. And what happens? A little neighbor boy comes over to play, and the neighbor boy picks up a toy. What does your boy do? Drops the toy he's playing with, runs over and says, I was playing with that. I was playing with that. Right? And the neighbor boy says, okay, so he goes over and picks up something else. Your boy runs over. I was playing with that too. I was playing with that too. Do you realize what God is saying to all of his children? 
When are you going to grow up? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to become like your father that's so loved that he gave? You know, I heard a story of my uh, son Josh and daughter-in-law Hannah told me a while back. They have two children, Grady, who's seven, and Willow, who's four. And they got in the car. Hannah picked them up from church, and Willow said, Mommy, did you know that there was a woman in the Bible that only had two pennies, and she gave both of them to God? And Hannah said, yeah, that's, that's a wonderful story. And Willow said, I want to give something to God. So Hannah said, well, pray and ask the Lord what he wants you to give. And so you could see her. She closed her eyes. Hannah was watching her in the mirror. You know, she closed her eyes. She did like this, and then she said, what? (laughs) And then she said, little baby? No, not little baby. Oh, Betty baby. Oh, yeah, you can have Betty baby. I don't like her. Okay, that's cute. That's kids learning about giving. But at some point, you got to grow up. Some point you say, Lord, what do you want me to give? And you say, that's great. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll do. So we want to develop a generous heart. Here's number four. Develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. Back in Deuteronomy 15, look at verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Then he says this. Therefore, I command you this thing today. You know what he's saying? I command you to be generous. I'm commanding you. And you know on the authority that I'm commanding you is that everything you have came from me. You need to remind yourself every now and then that you were slaves. You know, every now and then I get a reminder. I leaned over to John and to David right before I came up and told him, because it happened to me yesterday. It was hard going to sleep last night. I knew the enemy was trying to attack me too because this series was beginning. But Debbie got an email from a friend of ours we went to high school with, and she said, you know, love the first conference, watched on the Internet, all this, but hate to bring bad news, but we've lost two more of our class members. She named two guys, both guys I did drugs with. One of the guys I started on drugs and she, one of the guys died from a drug overdose, and the other guy committed suicide. I'm lying there last night thinking, thank you, God, for redeeming my life out of that, for redeeming me from that type of a lifestyle. These guys now, 35 years since high school, And still, what a horrible life they must have had for 35 years. Thank you, God. You know, the Lord just reminds me, it's not hard for me to give. You understand? I didn't have anything. I was a slave. You you didn't have anything either. No matter what you had, you didn't have anything if you didn't have Christ. A while back, a pastor and his wife uh, had heard me share our testimony on giving. And in this series, I'll share our testimony on giving. And by God's grace, Debbie and I have 
been able to give like many cars to people. We were able to give our first home away. Uh, we've just been able to give very extravagantly, and we love to do that. And I shared that testimony in the church, and we went to dinner with this pastor and his wife, and the wife said to Debbie, I have a question for you. And, and both of us knew the question because we've heard it many times. She said, how did you feel when your husband said he wanted to give away your house? And Debbie said, I felt great. I felt great. She said, you have to remember that Robert and I were married before he got saved. And every time he's wanted to give something extravagantly, I think, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my new husband. And then the pastor asked her a question she'd never been asked. He said, why do you think that Robert is so generous? And I'm, I'm not trying to set myself up as an example. I know many, many people are very generous. But he said, why do you think that, I mean, he just has given so extravagantly ret retirement, savings, all these things over the years. Why do you think he's so generous? And a tear came down her cheek, and she said, because he's never gotten over getting saved. He's never forgot where he came from. And he knows that everything we have came from the Lord. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Isn't that amazing? If you received the truth out of that video, would you put your hands together and let's just thank God. It's wonderful. The unique characteristic of giving comes from that personal relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's just no way around that. We equate it, as he mentioned, to money, but it also deals with our talents and our abilities. And I want to encourage all of you in the next couple of weeks to just think about, God, how can I give? Uh, how can I give of myself? And it is the Word of God when Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, remember, I mentioned it a moment ago, pick up your cross, whatever that is. And some people said, boy, if I had a million dollars, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd give 100000 Listen, if you make $200 a week and you can't give $20 now, you certainly are not going to write a check for $100,000. There are those in this room right now who at one time in their life and business was able to write a check out of their heart for $1.2 plus million and said, here, this is my tithe that belongs to the church. Those people exist in this room. Another, a house, $140,000 or $50,000. No, we're given that, that. That's an asset that we know we had, and we give it to the Lord. And both of those people, and there are many others, have been abundantly blessed and continue to get blessed. Is it because that they've never had a trial in their life or their family? We all have. But here's what we know. You always do better when you know you're being obedient to God in the arena of stewardship. Amen. And there's one thing always that Robert Morris uh, brings us uh, to the conclusion. It is this. It's about Jesus. That he is the Lord. He owns it. So just in case there's someone here in this room or someone listening online right now, I'm going to ask you 
to please everyone. Repeat this prayer after me as we just ask God to help us. Would you do that? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming me. I need forgiveness. I need redemption. So come into my heart. Use my talent. Use my abilities as you choose. My life I owe to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please? I'm going to give the benediction in just a moment. If you need prayer in your body, the Bible says, is any sick among you? Let them call upon leadership and pray the prayer of faith and anoint with oil. There is healing in the house. And before you leave, and we're going to give this benediction in a moment, and you're going to be able to exit, you feel the Lord pulling on you and say, you know what? I believe in that principle. It's right there in James. I believe in that principle. Then allow the Holy Spirit to lead you here, and you just don't know what God might do. Here's what I do know. God always rewards obedience. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Always, every single time. There are other families in this church that have been hit with tragedy and illness and difficulty and death and cancer. And as I look over to the audience, I see one couple. It's never broken their stride in their giving never broken their stride in faithfulness. They continue to remain faithful, even going through all of those challenges. Listen, friend, you and I are going to be so glad when we get to heaven that we remain faithful no matter what. So I want to encourage you, remain that faithful. Let what you heard get into your spirit. Read those notes again. Get the book. And then let's see what God will do. If you need prayer, you come. Here's the benediction. Heavenly Father, I thank you. We praise you. We have so much to be grateful for. And yet, Lord, in the midst of our prosperity, in the midst of our favor, in the midst of our blessing, someone said just recently, I have so much to be thankful for, so much favor from the Lord. But it doesn't mean because we're able to say that, that they're not giants that are staring us down, that there's not something that may have broken our heart. There doesn't mean that it's a pain-free life. What it means is this, that God, we're not trying to do the journey on our own. We're doing it with you. And even in the midst of our favor, we know that we have prayer needs. And I pray that you would meet every prayer need. And God, bring to pass a mighty victory. We are looking to you, and we trust you. Lord, in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Don't forget, plan to be back tonight. Don't forget the book. If you need prayer, you come forward. God bless you. Behave as you leave the parking lot, okay? Let somebody else out ahead of you. God bless. Lord, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Lord, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away.